Guys, uh, my name is Keith Case, and I am a pastor here at Providencia. I'm also a member, proud member, uh, in some form or fashion. Um, and um, our scripture for tonight is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses uh, 12 through 16. It'll be here on the screen behind me. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, you can follow along there in your Bible. The next day... The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion, see Your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, we are in our in series called Embody. It's our, our year-long series. Uh, tonight, we're talking about uh, Embody, the king of the city. And what does that mean? Uh, we're also in the season of Lent, which I've kind of paraphrased as the journey back to the dirt. Uh, if you've not been around church before, uh, in the liturgical calendar, uh, starting a few weeks ago, uh, it's basically 40 days, we enter into this season as a church called Lent. And it's really this journey back uh, to the earth, to the ground. Uh, In many ways, you could say it's the reversal of what happens in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve reach up uh, for the fruit. In a sense, we say they're reaching up to become uh, like God. The journey of Lent is the journey of becoming human again, embracing our humanity. And this week, believe it or not, is the beginning today, tonight, of Holy Week. So if, if Lent is a 40-day uh, season, these last seven days, the, the temperature is turned up. The intensity of that journey, that downward journey, is turned up. And, and tonight, as we begin Holy Week, uh, we find Jesus, not only here in the Gospel of John, but in all the Gospels, essentially making his descent downward. He's going down from Mount Olives, down into Jerusalem. Uh, He'll go down into uh, Jerusalem where then he will go down onto his knees to wash the the feet of his disciples. And then we'll catch him later in a garden where he will be down on his face crying out to God if there could be another way. And then as we keep going, we find that his body is being put down into the ground, into the tomb, uh, into the dirt. This journey of Holy Week is intensifying this week in this journey back to the dirt. A little later, uh, the kids from Kids Coconut Kids Ministry uh, from our church here are going to come into our church, I think in the last song, and they're going to be bringing palm branches. And uh, historically in the church, uh, we haven't done it for you tonight, but you can do this at home if you want to tonight. Uh, the church has provided palm branches for everybody. Uh, I didn't want to kill my Eureka Palms tonight trying to give all of you guys a palm branch, but uh, you can go get one. 
And, and what they would do is they would take home the palm branch uh, from Palm Sunday and they would hang it on their wall or, or they would put it in, in their Bible or they would set it somewhere in their house and it would be a reminder during Holy Week of, of this declaration of this king. But then they would keep it through the entire year. And of course the palm frond dries out and then they would bring it back and, and the church, they would give it back to the church and then the church would then burn those palms and they would use those for the beginning of Lent the next year uh, for Ash Wednesday. Some of you ha maybe have had that experience before, but if you understand the journey of that palm frond, if you think about the journey of that palm frond for a second, in many ways that is the journey of Lent. It is this journey that we keep getting called back to over and over and over again. This is where we are going. Uh, tonight we are uh, starting off in this city that Jesus is going to. So the three points tonight are the city of Shalom, the king of Shalom, and the experience of Shalom. In verses 12 through 13, the, the city of Shalom, a city that is longing for freedom, a liberation is coming. That is the anticipation. The, the city is pregnant with anticipation for liberation. Uh, the festival that is at hand, it says the people have joined together there. They have gathered for this festival, the Passover celebration. And some of you, if you grew up in the church, maybe you heard of Passover and you heard it as the, the night that the angel of death passed over, and that is true. But what I want you to understand, and, and maybe a different twist on the story for you to think about, for you to contemplate, is that it is a story of liberation. That the story of Passover is a story of liberation. It is a liberation that is coming to a people who have been oppressed a people who have been enslaved, a people who have been crying out to God. And their God has shown up in a powerful way. It is a day of liberation that the people have come together to celebrate. And they are a people who are, again, occupied. They are a people who, again, are being taxed, taxed heavily. Some of you know what that means. Uh, to be taxed heavily. Um, and, and, and these people are wanting to be liberated again. So liberation, the anticipation of that is in the air. And here comes Jesus on his way down into the city, down from Mount Olives into Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem is, an, in the biblical understanding of it, the capital city of God. If, if you want to see what God is about, if you want to see the heart of God, you go to the city of Jerusalem. And then you go in the city, you go into this thing in the middle of the city called the temple. And then in the temple, there's the Holy of Holies. As you come in, you're getting more and more intensely closer and closer to this intense presence. Not that God isn't everywhere, but the intensity of it is experienced even more. And Jesus is coming in to that city, the city of Jerusalem, this capital city of God, Shalom City. 
Now, I want you to just for a second, when we sang that song a hundred billion times, I don't know, I get so hyped on that song, um, especially when I'm singing it next to Thomas. Can you go back to that song? Just, I, I, there's some, some lyrics in that song that I wondered at some point if Paradise Hymns might be able to sing a song. Uh, go to the next slide. Um, sing a song about our city. See, like this, this song is casting the net pretty wide, right? God of creation. And it's talking about all of creation. And, and like when we sing that line that says, a uh, hundred billion, uh, I don't know what it says exactly, but like a hundred billion things catch their breath. Is that what it says? A uh, hundred billion creatures catch their breath. Y'all, can we just have a moment when you visualize that? Like, what do you guys see? For me, it's the three squirrels in my backyard. They're like, we're all together going, <gasps> and they're like chilling on the back fence. I can see them breathing. It's, it's like the birds that visit me every morning in the treehouse. They're breathing. Uh, I, I saw like 10 humpback whales, like, like breathing out, you know, right there simultaneously. Something about that breath, right? Uh, it's been such a theme for me, this breathing thing. But if we could write a song, a song uh, like we have about creation, about nature, about the city. Man, that would, that would be so cool. Can you imagine a song about the city like this? I, I don't know if you've been uh, around the text long enough to know the Bible starts with a garden, but it ends with a city. And in the middle of the city is a garden, like, like maybe um, Central Park or some other garden, but, but there's, a, there's a city, this flourishing, thriving, beautiful city. Maybe, maybe Wakanda is like the closest that comes to mind when you think of, of that kind of city, flourishing city. Maybe there's another city. But can you just take a second to dream about a city a city that would be called God's city. Like, what would be the ingredients of that city? A city that you would want to call, the, this is the capital city of God. If we went there, this is what God's heart is like. What would that city look like? Can you imagine that? I would encourage you if it's hard tonight to get there because you know, my energy level is a little high and it's kind of, you know, you're kind of hard, kind of hard to literally land the plane here right now, right now. Take a deep breath. Um, Maybe this week, think about, you know, take some time. What would God's city look like here on earth? And I'll give you, give you some hints that, that in Isaiah 61, a, a verse we reference often here, Jesus talks about his anointing and his coming into the city, that he'd been anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, uh, to set the prisoners free, um, the captives free. Uh, and and this, this idea of flourishing for people who are hurting, this idea of communities flourishing, of industries flourishing, uh, it goes on to say this crazy thing in there. 
That it says those people, the, the, the prisoners, the brokenhearted, uh, the captives, that they're going to be the ones who are going to rebuild the ruined cities. It doesn't say the mighty uh, or, or the wealthy or the most powerful uh, because they are building cities. Uh, if you're interested in that, there's a book called The Gospel of Wealth uh, about how really, really wealthy people build cities. But in this economy, in Jesus' economy, he uses really, really poor people. He uses really, really hurting people. Uh, people who have suffered greatly to do his work. But Jesus is going into that city, the city of Jerusalem, God's city. And it is a city that has in many ways failed to live up to the imagination. It has failed to live up to the dream. In fact, there's a, a text that many of you know when, when Jesus goes in and he flips over the tables. The reason that he goes and flips over the tables is the room that he goes into is the room in the temple that was set up for outsiders, people outside of the faith, to be able to come in and pray. And they had set up markets there and they were not allowing people from the outside Gentiles to come in and pray. And Jesus goes there and flips those tables over and says, look what you've done to my house. And Jesus is going into the city, the city that he, in fact, has wept over. He's wept over the city. And even though we don't know what the cries are of the city, we know that this God, uh, that Jesus, hears the cries of the city that we don't even hear that there were cries going out. And that is why Jesus is there in the city of Shalom. And they say of him, as they're laying down these palm branches, Hosanna, which means save us. They're laying down the palm branches saying, Hosanna, save us. And those palm branches, by the way, are a symbol of victory. A symbol of victory, and yet they are at the same time crying out, save us, save us. Blessed is that king of Israel. Bring this new city that even the people in the city, without even knowing it, they are longing for. Um, I love uh, the island of Puerto Rico. I started going there after uh, I graduated from college. And right about that time, uh, there was a, a boxer who came on the scene in, in Puerto Rico uh, named uh, Tito Trinidad. Anybody ever follow boxing at all? Uh, and Tito was this guy that, you know, he was like a firecracker. The guy really packed the punch. In fact, when my friends and I from Puerto Rico, we would box. We all tried to box like Tito, which we knew each other's moves. So it uh, didn't work out very well. But he was this incredible fighter. And, and when you're from like a small island, I think there's this thing where you really develop this sense of pride, you know? And so all of my friends from Puerto Rico had this incredible pride about their island. And so when anybody uh, like Tito uh, showed up on the scene and started having like, you know, international recognition, they were really proud of Tito Trinidad. And my friend, uh, Marcos Rivera, and his brother, Peter Rivera, they lived like two blocks from where Tito lived. 
So when I would go down to visit, if Tito Trinidad had just won a fight, uh, the city was in chaos. I mean, people were going crazy. People were partying at the stoplights. The people would get around the cars. They would bounce the cars up and down. They would hold cars in places. People would be on top of cars holding them in places while they'd be smoking the tires. And they'd just be celebrating this guy Tito because he brought all this tension, all this greatness to their city. And at that time, uh, do you guys remember uh, reggaeton? Reggaeton? Do you guys remember reggaeton music, right? Uh, uh, Don Omar. Uh, these, these guys that were just coming up on the scene. So Tito's entrance song to his fights was reggaeton, you know? And uh, it was like probably Daddy Yankee. Some, so it was some kind of, you know, reggaeton artist. And that's what he came into his fights. And so the people, it was like their music, you know? As Jesus is coming into the city, there's this anticipation that there's a battle that's getting ready to happen. And yet Jesus is coming into the city as if he's coming to the fight with no gloves on. Uh, he's coming to the fight, instead of his hype song, it's like he's singing, uh, the, the song is Bridge Over Troubled Water. It's, it's some like peaceful tranquil song and this is not how you show up to a fight Jesus this is not how you show up to a fight see they are expecting if Jesus is going to come in and liberate them in the city he's going to come in on a war horse that's what you come in on as a messiah if you're coming in to liberate the people as a military king and Jesus comes in on a little donkey that's what he comes in on. Um, and you might think, oh my God, like Jesus comes in on a little donkey. He's supposed to come in on a, on a war horse, but he came on a little donkey. How crazy is that, that he came up with that idea? It's, it's not just his idea. It was an idea that other kings did as well. They would come in to cities riding on a little donkey. Uh, because it was the symbol that you had already won the war. You're coming back and you're just like cruising on the donkey. Like, there's no more work to be done. We're just enjoying the view, enjoying the city. Everything's relaxed, chill. Like, everything's cool. Jesus is coming in on the donkey into a battleground like he has already won the war. And the people are like, what? What is happening? Like, how could you come in like that? But there is something, too, that I don't want us to miss, and, and we sang it tonight, probably three of the, the four songs we sang here tonight. Um, we sang this, this idea of God being with us. When you come in on a lowly donkey, and you're riding on a small donkey, you are at like eye level, if not below eye level, of the people along the road. That somehow, in some way, the victory that Jesus is after tonight, the victory that has already been won, if you will, is that God is with us. He is in solidarity with us. God is with us. And John is trying here to connect the dots for us, that Jesus is fulfilling the scriptures by coming in this way. 
He really is who we hope for. Because John knows where this is going. He knows where this story is going. And sometimes when we don't know where the story is going, it can be really frustrating. I mean, many of us are very familiar with the gospel story if we've grown up in church at all. We know where this is going, but we don't know where our own story is going. And let me give you an example of where that starts to play out. When you go to counseling and you start talking about a story and all of a sudden you start kind of like wandering away from that story and the counselor goes, oh, that was interesting. Why, why, why are we not talking about that story anymore? Or, or all of a sudden your eyes begin to tear up and you change what you're really talking about and your eyes dry up all of a sudden and you're talking about something else. And the counselor goes, wait, what, what just happened there? Wait, where did we go? Because we don't know where the story is going to go. We don't know if we keep talking about this thing, where it's going to lead us. And this week, for whatever reason, I've had, multi had multiple, multiple people essentially say to me, Keith, I've been on this journey. I've been in my story walking for a long time now. Why haven't you fixed me yet? Or can't you please fix me? Um, do something. Remedy this right now. Because it's hard. It's hard to stay with the story. It's an incredibly vulnerable story. The story that Jesus is living out. In fact, it's so vulnerable that John has to say, his followers did not understand. We're talking about the experience of Shalom. We had the city of Shalom, the, the king of Shalom coming in. Now we're talking about the experience of Shalom. And John is having to say his followers did not understand, guys. They, they were troubled, uh, worried, and afraid. And John, again, is helping his readers then, and he's helping us today. Uh, this isn't where you thought this was going. It's okay. His disciples didn't think it was going this direction either. The more familiar we are with the story, especially this gospel story, the less maybe we're surprised by it. It might be hard for us even to imagine it as a first-time reader tonight. But Jesus has come into the city of peace on a donkey of peace like a victorious king of peace and as someone who can set us free. And he just gets slaughtered. And doesn't even put up a fight. You were either at that time in total confusion or complete disappointment. And John says, not until he was glorified did it make sense. The book of Esther in, in, in the, the, the Hebrew scriptures is the, the book that uh, in the Holocaust, it was the book that that people probably read the most. And the thing you may not know about the book of Esther is that the name God is never mentioned in the book at all. But the purpose of the book is to show that even when God is not mentioned and he seems to not be present, at the end of the story, God shows up without him being named in such a way, in a literary form called peripety, shows up in such a way that it flips the story upside down. That a man had been building nooses, to hang God's people. And at the end of the story, the, 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 the thing that the tool that he'd been using to try to kill the people of God gets used on him. Not by the people of God, but by another person. 
the, the story flips upside down. And so as we come to this story, being, if you were, a first-time reader, that there's a flip that's getting ready to happen here, that the story is going to be flipped upside down. See, Rome claimed to be the land of peace. And they had this thing called Pax Romana where they kept the peace. And the way that they kept the peace was with the cross. It was with the cross. And the cross was the place that you would be crucified. The cross was the place that you would be killed if you tried to rise up against Rome. If you tried to fight for liberation. It was a thing that they held over people's head. And it wasn't just a symbol. It was a narrative. It was a story. It was, it was based, a story based in hate, based in destruction, and based in this idea of scarcity or greed. We have to keep the people down so that we can keep the peace. But the story that Jesus is inviting us to, the city that he goes into to flip that whole power dynamic and bring this new story, the one that he is belonging us, uh, inviting us to belong to, this story is grounded in love, in creativity, and in generosity. Because Jesus is building a new city. This isn't the idea that uh, come to America and this is God's land and we are now the new chosen nation. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God's people all over the world are called to build God's cities all over the world. Shalom cities. But the king of shalom, where people get to have the experience of shalom. And tonight as I listen to these new members, they shared about how you all have invited them in, how you all have created a different type of place, a place where they actually could have doubts, a place where they could actually bring their wounds and their struggles, a place where they were, instead of talked at or talked to, they were invited to speak and to be heard and to be listened to. That God would be calling us as his people to build such a city. A city that reflects the one who made the journey of Lent. Who made the journey back to the dirt. Who's not out here to prove anything. But he's been called to love and to embrace. To bring this generosity to this place, to this city. Would you pray with me?